Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Now, we learned that meditation is not Eastern meditation. You know, I just came back from India, spent over there in Asia. Well, Asia is all about, hmm, and they just empty their mind. That's very dangerous. That is not at all what biblical meditation is. See, biblical meditation is the act of focusing your thoughts, to ponder, to think on, to read the Word of God, to linger over it. And as I'm doing that, I'm beginning to understand how God thinks because the Bible is God's mind. Many people live their lives in an unthinking manner. They don't consider what they're being told by those in charge of their country. They don't think about what advertisers are really trying to get them to do. It's a very passive way of living and thinking. The Bible, in contrast, tells you to be intentional about your thinking as well as your living. Pastor Mark will be teaching about this active way of thinking and living. He'll be telling you the importance of finding out what God wants from you and wants to do for you. The only way to discover God's will is by reading and thinking about God's Word. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. He'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Philippians chapter 4 as he begins his message, Think Great Thoughts. God is... There was an old farmer, and he was a little concerned about the boy who was working for him. So he asked him, John, what do you do in your spare time? John replied, sometimes I sit and thinks. Other times, I just sits. You see, Paul understood the danger of a person that just sits. Because instead of being proactive, that person that just sits allows anything to come into their mind. Now, I want to challenge you with a thought, and I want you to answer this question. In 100 years from now, where will you be? Guaranteed, every single person I'm talking to will be dead. Where will you be? See, there's only two locations. One in heaven with God. One separated from God forever. In hell. And Paul is going to teach us today about truth. See, what we think about, we become. The decisions we make today turn around... And make us tomorrow. You might say, well, I'm going to live more than 120 years. You might be an exception. For you, let me give you 200. You're dead meat. 
And the issue is not that we're all going to die. We already know that. The issue is, where will you live forever? Well, Pastor Mark, I'm not really like into that kind of stuff. Don't get me talking about that. I'm not interested in it. You better be interested in it. Well, I'm only interested in truth. Hello? Well, I don't believe it. Ten seconds after you die, oh, you will believe it. But it's too late. You see, the decision we make of where to spend eternity has to be done before we die. So Paul is going to give us this amazing connection. There's this amazing connection between what we think and what we become. What we think and where we end up after we die. Here's the verse that Paul taught us. He knew this principle. Proverbs 23, 7. For as he thinks in his heart... So is he. Understand the principle. It's not a principle spiritually only. It's a principle of life. What we think we become. Paul taught us in Romans 8 that godly thinking, good thinking, does not come naturally. It'd be nice if we could all just think great thoughts and they weren't very selfish or whatever. But that's not true because we're in a spiritual warfare. And every single one of us have three enemies. Satan, he's real. He's out to steal, kill, and destroy. We have a world system, and you'll see how that works in a moment, that wants to make us think the way it thinks, which is against God. And then we have our old sinful nature. My old sinful nature, when left to itself, bottom core, two things, I'm selfish and I'm sensual. You know, we're all sexual beings. And I'll be very sensual outside of the will of God. And I'll always be selfish. It's always about me. So those two enemies stop me from thinking like God. And then, of course, stop me from living like God. God wants us, well, he wants to renew our minds. Romans chapter 12 says, you need to change your way of thinking. Well, the way I renew my mind and the way I get it to think godly, correct, is through meditation. Psalm 119.15 says this, I meditate on your precepts and I consider your ways. Now we learn that meditation is not Eastern meditation. You know, I just came back from India, spent over there in Asia. Well, Asia is all about, hmm, and they just empty their mind. That's very dangerous. That is not at all what biblical meditation is. See, biblical meditation is the act of focusing your thoughts, to ponder, to think on, to read the Word of God, to linger over it. And as I'm doing that, I'm beginning to understand how God thinks because the Bible is God's mind. So as I ponder that and think about it, I'm exchanging my thinking for God's thinking. This week, I want you to meditate on Psalm 139. Psalm 139. So just write it down. Psalm 139. And as you begin to meditate that, it has a great relevance to what we're teaching today. So that's your homework for this week. So get it. Just read a few verses every day. Think about it. What is God saying to you? As you meditate on God's word, it renews our thinking. It renews our thinking. Here's principle number two. God commands us to control our thoughts. Now, God could do that by himself. 
God could watch every thought that would come into our mind and God goes, blocked, blocked, blocked. He doesn't do that. He gives us the responsibility with him and his power to control our thinking. Now, I've asked you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. As you've turned there, go down to verse 3. By the way, the Apostle Paul is teaching this, the one that's writing the book of Philippians. Notice he says this. Paul says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, like man's wisdom, his personality, human reasoning. No, we don't use those kind of weapons to knock down strongholds. See, this is spiritual. It's not physical. We're not talking about Iran blocking the Gulf over there and our oil is going to go to six bucks a gallon or whatever. So we're going to present ships over and we're going to have nuclear. We're not talking about that kind of war. This is spiritual warfare. So we can't use man's ways. We have to use God's. And notice what the outcome of this is in verse 5. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. Watch this. And we capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. You see, Satan wants to control our thinking. And I'll never win that battle with human means. Oh, my experience, my wisdom, my power. My power is useless. But we win it with spiritual weapons. What are those weapons? Prayer, meditation, the Word of God, and the power of God. Ephesians chapter 6 outlines our spiritual weapons. Now, to control those thoughts, I have to be intentional. I have to be proactive. You see, I have to guard what I read, what I watch, what I listen to, and who I hang out with. And we learned three ways that we can control our thinking. I want you to write them down today. Here they are. Number one, I have to recognize the wrong thought. If I don't know the Bible and God's principles... I'll never be able to recognize that isn't a godly thought. So the more I know the Bible, the principles, the easier it is to recognize those thoughts are not from God. They're not at all from God. So I have to learn to recognize where the wrong thought came from. Number two, I have to reject the wrong thought. I just don't recognize and go, oh, that's the wrong thought. Let it come right in my brain. Oh, wonderful. No, I have to reject it. I have to take it captive. I have to remove it. See, I can't destroy that stronghold myself, so I need God's help. God will help us. His word is powerful. He knows our thoughts. He knows our attitudes. And three, maybe one of the huge keys, I have to replace that wrong thought with the word of God. We just don't sit and let our mind, empty mind, just be filled up by whatever God wants to bring. Understand our world system is ruled by Satan who loves to get people who just sits. Now, this afternoon, if you're not careful, you will just sit with your little clicker in your hand. Here's what sits means. You're not thinking, you're just sitting. And much of what's on the screen, the world system, you'll see in a moment, it has a way of what? 
squeezing me right in to the way I think. So be careful. We have to be intentional. We have to be proactive. We sit at movies. We go to the ball games. We do all kinds. We just sits. Now you're sitting today. But you're thinking. Aren't you already thinking? You're thinking. So it's a good thing. You're not just like any thought coming in. You're, you're thinking. And God's beginning to take his word and renew our minds. And we're able to learn to control it. Now turn to Philippians chapter 4. That's our key verse for today. The Apostle Paul is writing a letter to a a church he formed in Philippi. He's in prison in Rome. And actually, we're taking longer to teach his book than Paul was in prison in Rome. But it's okay, because we're learning lots of good stuff. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. Now, let me have your attention just before I read it. What's Paul going to give us in verse 8? Paul's going to give us a little list... Of some representative virtues. He's going to kind of think, if, if you want to think great thoughts, if you want to think godly thoughts so that you can be different, here's some examples. It's not an exhaustive list. Paul isn't saying, okay, here's these six or seven things. Memorize them. Vroom, 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 vroom. Now you can think every time. No, he's not. He's trying to give you principles. So, I mean, I could actually take the next six weeks and use one of these every week. Be a great teaching. Do the Greek, Hebrew, show the words, give you illustrations. I'm just going to pick one of them today. So this is a representative list of how to focus, how to focus our meditation on the Word of God. Things that are like this. So let's read it together. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Meditate on what is true, what is honorable, what is right. What is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable. Then he gives us a bottom line. Now think about things in general that are excellent and things that are worthy of praise. So Paul says, here's how to think great thoughts and godly thoughts. These are suggestions. These are, again, they're not exhaustive, just suggestions to guide our meditating and our thinking, which will change us. Now, I'm going to do something this morning, very rare, very rare that I do it, but I think I want to do it because I think it's very instructional for us. I'm going to put that list on the overhead in a moment, and I'm going to give you the antonyms of the word that you just read. Antonym is the opposite So when you begin looking at this list, it's instructional. After we're done with it, you're going to go like, why would anybody want to think that way? Exactly. So that's my purpose of doing it that way. Antonyms. Now, those of you that failed English in the eighth grade, just put that out of your mind. It's okay. Antonyms means opposite. We're okay. Okay. Here we go. Let's find the overhead. Now, if you're just turning in, these are the opposite. This is not what God wants. So relax. Don't email me. Here we go. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is false. Not real. Fix your thoughts on lies. Just focus on lies all day long. Focus on false rumors. Spend your time thinking about false rumors. Then he goes on. Fix your thoughts on what is dishonorable. What's... Anything that lacks respect, just focus on that. Isn't that wonderful? And he says this. 
Fix your thoughts on what is unjust, corrupt, not right, not righteous. Now, don't email me. Say, Pastor Mark, that's our government, right? That's our government right there. (laughs) Do not email me. Okay. Next. And see what comes to your mind when I read this one. Fix your thoughts on what is impure, vulgar, obscene, and indecent. That is the goal of the entertainment industry in our world. TV, movies, MTV, music. That is the goal. How are they doing? Very well. Next. Fix your thought on what is disgusting and repulsive. And last, fix your thoughts on what is despicable and condemning. And I wrote the summary to that. Think about things that are bad. Unworthy, inferior, and things that are not worthy of any praise. Spend your time thinking like that. Now, to be honest, you and I are going to say, what? Who'd want to waste their time thinking like that? Exactly. That's why Paul gives us the opposite. If I don't, my old sinful nature will fool around with those things. I added some more. Bad thoughts, not godly thoughts. Thoughts of anxiety. Thoughts of fear and anger and division and jealousy and hatred and pride. Those aren't things that God wants us to think about at all. Now, what is the outcome if I take the opposite, as Paul mentioned to us, and I think about things that are pure and just and true? What is the outcome of great thinking? Let me give you three things. I want you to write them down. I'll take some time on them this morning. Number one, great thoughts, godly thoughts, as Paul instructs us, encourage us to be more like God. As I begin to understand... What God wants, when I mention the word pure and holy, well, I'm supposed to be holy as God is holy. Well, remember, without God, my sin nature is sensual, and I'll head over in that area. No, God's going to help me. So when I read his thoughts, when you do your homework this week in Psalm 139, it will encourage you to think like God and then be like God. I mean, the outcome is to be like God. That's what we're supposed to be like, Christ-like. Number two, great thoughts inspire us to praise God. If you really take time doing your homework this week in Psalm 139, you will have to stop pretty much every morning and praise God for something. When I understand how great God is, if I take time and meditate, I have to stop and praise. I couldn't get this song out of my mind. And I don't have time to sing it this morning. We didn't have time to sing it. This is a song we sing. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the price you paid. Thank you for the promise. Thank you for your favor. Thank you for your love. And thank you for everything you've done for me. And the chorus goes like this. There is no one like you. There is no one like you, God. All my hope is in you, Jesus, Jesus. Amen. You see, as you begin to think about God, I mean, why, 
All my hope is in me. That's disgusting. Amen? If your hope's in you, God help you. If it's in me, God help you. It's in God. So as we begin those thoughts, it will automatically lead to the praise of God. And last, when I become like Christ, it's not about me. When Jesus walked in this earth, he said, you know, the rulers of this earth say this, serve me. But Jesus said, not so with you. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. So if I'm going to be thinking great thoughts, godly thoughts, it's not only going to be about God changing me, but I'm going to be able to give an encouraging word to other people. Any of you here need an encouraging word from time to time from somebody else? Anybody? Yeah. Would you just turn to your neighbor right now and just say this, encouraging word. Just go say it to him right now. Everybody, just say it to me. Now I want you to do this. Watch me. I want you to turn to that same neighbor that said it to you and say that you didn't mean it at all. Go ahead and just say it right now. That's exactly right. What kind of deal is this? Encouraging word. No, you have to mean it. It has to be an encouraging word. If you, this weak husband, came home and said, here's your flowers that are required on Valentine's Day. You can put that prayer request in for the other eye that is open. That it won't be closed. Amen? Exactly right. So see, there's great things that happen. Let me summarize that verse in the message translation. Listen. Summing it all up, my friends. I'll say you do best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are true and noble and reputable and authentic and compelling and gracious. Fill your minds with things that are best, not worse. Beautiful, not ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. So what does Paul mean when he says fix your mind? He means this. Before I put this thought in my mind... I need to stop and ask, is it true, real, genuine truth? Is it honorable, honor and respect? Is it just, right in God's eyes? Is it pure, pure, holy, moral? Is it lovely, pleasant and attractive? Is it admirable? Does it build up? Is it positive and encouraging? So it's not just those words. It's the biblical principles of the character of God. Actually, if you want to know, there's many people that feel verse 8 is really a character picture of Jesus Christ. All those things you read there is who Jesus was. And what are you called? You're called a Christian. I'm called a Christian. So we should be like that sample list of characteristics. Now, notice that Paul starts, look at his first word. He starts with something called true. He says, think on those things that are true. It means real and not something hidden. It simply means genuine and it really means truth. Think on things that are really true. Today, Pastor Mark began teaching about the relationship between what you think about and what you do in your life. The Bible talks about this relationship and advises spending your time thinking about the things of God rather than the things the world wants you to think about. He reminded you about the three R's, recognize, reject, and replace, and their role in controlling your thinking. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. 
We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue to unpack this concept of rearranging your thinking processes. He will share more of what the Bible has to say about the thoughts you allow yourself to spend time reflecting on which ones you should be fighting against and rejecting. He will talk about the world system and the ways it tries to infiltrate your mind and get you to think like them. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series, Contagious Outrageous Joy. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.